Now the prophet says, your counsels of old are faithful and true, God. In other words, when God speaks, it's finished. It's done. The final word of God. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. And I'm Janice. And this is, of course, Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible in one year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. As we do that, we land in the prophets. We're going to talk about Isaiah 25 in about five minutes. Corey and Ryan are here. Uh, they're going to come in about 20 minutes, Corey. Well, Mom and I are going to blend our segments together again today, and we are going to discuss Isaiah chapter 25. Uh, I'm specifically going to focus in on a, a, an underrated battle between Yahweh and Milcom. Hmm. Ryan? Today, I'm dealing with this alleged Bible contradiction. Will everyone see the majesty of God? Isaiah 26.10 says no, but Isaiah 40 verse 5 says yes. Isaiah 25, 1 through 12. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. For you have made a city a ruin, a fortified city a ruin, a palace of foreigners to be a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore the strong people will glorify you. The city of the terrible nations will fear you. For you have been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. For the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. You will reduce the noise of aliens as heat in a dry place, as heat in the shadow of a cloud. The song of the terrible ones will be diminished. And in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of well-refined wines on the lees, and he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him, and He will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. We will be glad and rejoice in His salvation. For on this mountain the hand of the Lord will rest, and Moab shall be trampled down under Him, as straw is trampled down for the refuse heap. And he will spread out his hands in their midst as a swimmer reaches out to swim. And he will bring down their pride together with the trickery of their hands. The fortress of the high fort of your walls he will bring down, lay low, and bring to the ground, down to the dust. Isaiah chapter 25 verses 1 
through 12. We read today Isaiah 25, Isaiah 26, and Isaiah 27. And my belief about eschatology, that's about the Bible's end times or prophecies, leans more literal. Now that is not to say that there isn't poetic language, that there isn't allegory and metaphor involved, but only to say that I believe some of the prophecies to be speaking about a real physical truth. For today's reading, that means that I believe there will be an actual 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ on his second coming to earth. That's the messianic rule. Now, we see this fleshed out in Revelations chapter 20. Now, this seems to be a physical reign of Christ as the King of Kings. There will be no question as to his reality. And the ages of man's culture will be laid bare in the presence of God. This reign is not something described in Revelation alone. It's also highlighted by many Old Testament prophets as they were given pictures of the future. Isaiah 25 is an example of this. It gives us glimpses of Christ's future reign, which we've already read. Now, as we focus on this, I need you to get your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. If you do not have a Bible Discovery TV guide, let me encourage you to call us or write to us and get a hold of one. We'll send it to you. Or the other thing you can do is go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the front page of that particular Bible guide. It'll take you to a place for donations. Thank you for your donations. Then it takes you to a place where you can download it. And it looks like when you download it, exactly how we printed it. That's very, very interesting. So... Uh, the thousand-year reign. That's what I call this. It's a very interesting read. And let's pray. Father, help us today. As we read your Bible, I'm going to present it as I see it, as it's been presented to me and as I see it. So help us to hear your word and not project our ideas into it. So help us, Lord, to do that. And we will listen to you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Think about this, okay? Just, I want you to think this through. Understand that God is explaining to us what the future looks like. Verse one, Isaiah 25. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. Okay, now listen to that first line. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness and true. That right there explains how we interpret the scripture. For you have made a city a ruin, a fortified city a ruin, a palace of foreigners to be a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, the strong people will glorify you. Strong people. Yes, the strong people. The city of the terrible nations will fear you. For you have been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. For the blast of the terrible ones as a storm against the wall. You will reduce the noise of aliens as heat in a dry place, 
as heat in the shadow of a cloud. The song of the terrible ones will be diminished. This is really important. There is no strength of any kind, destructive, creative, or intellectual, that is stronger than the presence of God. There is no strength stronger than the presence of the Holy Spirit. We would do well to submit to the work of Jesus Christ. Bottom line, we would do well to submit to the work of Jesus Christ. Bottom line, that's all I'm going to say. Let's go on to the next passage because it's good. Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 8. And in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of well-refined wines on the lees. And he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over the people and the veil that is spread over all nations, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Boy, this is something. When God speaks, it is finished. It's done. We would do well not to rebel against what God has said. Beloved, life and death are in the power of the tongue, or death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's a proverb. proverb or Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, Remember that a man dies once and then faces judgment. How will we be judged? And my desire is for all of us to be judged by Jesus Christ. Followers of Jesus Christ will be judged by him. So, beloved, we need to understand that when we come to Jesus Christ, that secures our future because God said it. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And we know that he who has the Son is life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. Very important. 1 John 5, 11, 12, and 13. Isaiah 25, verse 9. And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For on this mountain the hand of the Lord will rest, and Moab shall be trampled down under him as straw is trampled down for the refuse heap. And he will spread out his hands in their midst. As a swimmer reaches out to swim, he will bring down their pride together with the trickery of their hands. The fortress of the high fort of your walls, he will bring down and lay low and bring to the ground down to the dust. That's what Isaiah says, and I believe what he says. Those who resist the will of God will bear the cost of their rebellion. Those who resist the will of God will bear the cost of their rebellion. Beloved, this is so obvious. We would do well not to resist the will of God. God's will is that everyone receives salvation. 
everyone, but we have a choice to make. You have a choice to come to Jesus Christ and submit yourself to him. You don't have to call anybody. You don't have to. I'm not trying to get you to give an offering. You just need to come to Christ and give your life to him. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe we killed you. You died on that cross 2,000 years ago, but you didn't stay dead because death does not hold God. You rose from the dead in the flesh. And Father, I believe that you came alive and I want you in my life as Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Help me today. In the name of Jesus Christ and all of us said together, amen. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Welcome back to the program. Today, to go along with our reading, I really wanted to deal with an alleged contradiction between Isaiah 26 and Isaiah 40. And the question is this, will everyone see the majesty of God? Isaiah chapter 40 verse 5 says yes, but Isaiah chapter 26 10 says no. Well, let's do some digging. Although many regard the biblical book of Isaiah as a literary and theological masterpiece coming directly from the divine mind, others claim that it, along with the rest of scripture, is nothing more than the contrivance of men. In support of this protest, critics cite what they believe to be contradictions and errors within the text, for they know that if such mistakes exist, then the Bible cannot be the word of God as it claims, since God, by definition, cannot lie. However, it is highly significant that no such error or contradiction has ever yet been proven to the satisfaction of a court of law. Indeed, when given a fair trial, the Bible has been, without exception, absolved of any such claims. For example, critics contend that Isaiah is conflicted over just who will see the majesty of God. While Isaiah chapter 40 verse 5 says that everyone will see God's majesty, Isaiah chapter 26 verse 10 seems to say that not everyone will see it. In Isaiah 45, the prophet declares, Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Yet in Isaiah 26.10 he says, If favor is shown to the wicked, they do not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, they deal perversely, and do not see the majesty of the Lord. So then, will everyone see the majesty of God, or not? In one effort to defend the integrity and unity of these passages, it has been pointed out that the words see and behold, as well as glory and majesty, are different. To behold something is not just to see something, it is much more involved. And the glory and majesty of the Lord is so incredible that it would take an eternity to fully comprehend it. Just because the wicked see the glory of the Lord for a time does not mean that they really saw everything about the glory of the Lord. This has been likened to driving through a certain city. In driving through it, you might see it, but it is not until you visit the various places within that city that you behold it. Thus, in the same way, the wicked will see the glory of the Lord for a time, but it will be so short that they will not really behold it. Yet, even if these two Isaiah passages are speaking in similar terms and of similar events, there is still no contradiction, because Isaiah 45 and 26.10 are referring to two totally different times in history. 
As another defender of biblical inerrancy points out, Isaiah 26.10 is proclaiming that the wicked of that specified time do not perceive the majesty of the Lord. But Isaiah 45 reports of a time in Isaiah's future when all flesh will see the glory of the Lord revealed. Thus the false claim of the critic cannot stand in the light of the truth of God's word. So as you can see, there's no contradiction here. Now, are there things in the Bible that are hard to understand? Well, for sure, but we shouldn't jump immediately to it being an error because that would be an error. The truth is that these things require some study. And what I have found is that many times when you dig a little deeper, you come out with a deeper understanding. And often that deeper understanding of scripture is life-changing. Bible study is absolutely critical. You know, a lot of people come up with the Bible as an error, uh, just as a natural default. You know, well, the Bible's an error, the Bible, and they don't, they don't do the extra studying. They don't look at the context of what that particular scripture is talking about. Yeah. And I find that to be very interesting. Yeah, and oftentimes they don't want to. They don't want the Bible to be true. They're because looking the, for errors. The implications there are huge. Yeah, that's and you, the Bible is not a book that you can just read once and you got it. it you have to meditate and study the word. That's what the Psalms mm -hmm. 1 tells us. And to understand what it says and to realize how God's speaking. Very good, Ryan. Excellent. Corey. All right. Isaiah 25 does something really interesting. And so mom and I kind of want to discuss it. Um, all right. So at the end of Isaiah chapter 25, you know, we've got 24 and 25. We've got um, the people of God praising God for his rescue, for his ultimate rescue. But at the, in the last few verses of chapter 25, this is contrasted with Moab's destruction specifically, which is interesting. Uh, verse 10 says, the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, meaning Mount Zion in Jerusalem, but Moab will be trampled in their land as straw is trampled down in the manure. They will stretch out their hands in it as swimmers stretch out their hands to swim. God will bring down their pride, destroying the cleverness of their hands, he will bring down your high fortified walls and lay them low. He will bring them down to the ground, to the very dust. This is very interesting to me because both in the Bible and in the archaeology of Moab, I think it's very possible to see a rivalry between the God of Israel and the God of Moab. And here's what I mean by this. Okay, so in the Bible... Uh, the Israelites and the Moabites are related, right? The Israelites are a descendant of Abraham. The Moabites are descendant of Lot, Abraham's nephew. They're related. Israel had a covenant with God and God gave them the land grant, the land of Canaan, the promised land that became Israel. We learn in Deuteronomy that God had also granted the land of Moab to the Moabites. They went in in a conquest form and pushed out the Rephaites. But the difference is Israel trusted in Yahweh, the God of the Bible. Moab chose Milcom, their own God. And we see this expressed, you know, in 2 Kings 3, where the Moabites seem to win because Mesha sacrifices his son uh, to Milcom, and it seems to work. They then are able to defeat Israel in war. Uh, but in the archaeology of Moab, we kind of get a similar vibe, a similar Yahweh versus Milcom vibe, if you will, because 
King Masha says that Israel was able to take his territory for a while because Milcom was angry with him. But then Milcom empowered him to take the land back. So they had associated their land grant and their covenant with Milcom. So it's really interesting, I think, here in Isaiah is we have the ultimate end mm -hmm. to this rivalry in the people's mind, because they are the same kind of people. They're both a tribal people. They both have a land grant, but they just worship different gods. So who is more powerful? It reminds me of like Elijah and the Baal prophets, yes. right? And so there's this ultimate showdown. And I think what's really, really interesting is that the outcome of following Yahweh, because Judah has been severely, severely reduced. They've been saved by the skin of their teeth. It's just the remnant that's been saved, right? But I think what we see is here, the outcome of following Yahweh poorly, because Judah did, is still better than the outcome of following Milcom really, really well. Yes. Like Mesha even sacrificed, they sacrificed their children to Milcom. And it still ended up in death for which, them. Which God never required. No. Exactly. And that, that's right. And what we see here at the beginning of this praise to God in chapter 25, which is what we talked about before we came to this taping of the program. Oh Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness and true. And if you skip down to verse four, it goes on because as you said, even in Judah, the, there was this remnant. They didn't serve God well, but they still chose God. It says, for you have been a strength to the poor, mm -hmm. a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. For the blast of the terrible one is a storm against the wall. So they experienced all of those things. And yet when you jump down to verse nine, and it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God. Mm -hmm. That that line right there, it makes me, it makes my spirit thrilled. Mm -hmm. I get very emotional when I hear that, that line, because no matter what we come through, when we put our trust in Yahweh, when we put our trust in the God of Israel, when we put our trust in the God of the Bible, it will be said in that day, behold, mm -hmm. this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Mm -hmm. What an amazing passage. What an amazing God. Starting it off again, your counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. This is who God is. Mm -hmm. This is the God that we choose. And um, what I was saying here, waiting on the Lord. Mm-hmm. That phrase right there, that, that's a difficult thing to do. Yes. In, in, especially in times of distress, especially in times of pain or sickness yeah. or, or financial pressures. It's difficult to wait upon the Lord. But what does the scripture say? Isaiah 40, 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Mm -hmm. Doesn't say you might. It says you shall renew your strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The end of Isaiah 30, verse 18, for the Lord is a God of justice. Mm -hmm. Blessed are all those who wait for him. This faithfulness and truth, when we choose the God of the Bible, we will go through difficult times. Yeah. And we will have a choice to make, won't we? Mm -hmm. But in the end, as we follow him, we don't have very far to look back, do we, to see 
God's faithfulness and the truth in God's word that he gives to us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's jumping out at me in this particular chapter and looking at those here who really gave themselves over to Milcom. Yeah, yeah, they really did. And for a time, it seemed to work. I mean, it talks about, Isaiah talks about their great pride and the cleverness of their hands, how mm-hmm. they, they were able to successfully build up the land and take it back and build all of these great fortresses. And, they, and, and it seemed to work. Like They got spiritual power and physical power from worshiping Milcom. But at the end of the day, Milcom cannot stand against the judgment of God. No spirit can stand against the judgment of God. No human can stand against the judgment of God. So it is much better to serve God in our imperfection because his faithfulness and his righteousness overcomes our imperfection. Praise God. Aren't you God. glad about that? Praise God. Oh my goodness. So it is so much better to imperfectly serve God with our whole heart than it is to serve something else or even serve ourselves with all of our energy because at the end of the day, we there's nothing we can do to stand and, against that. And like the scripture says, he's the good shepherd, mm-hmm. you know? And if we, if we put ourselves like sheep, sheep aren't the brightest of animals all the time. Mm-hmm. But you know, when we go off the path, if, if our heart really is truly to follow the shepherd, he's going to keep us He's going to keep us in line. Yeah. He's going to keep us there. And that's that faithfulness. Mm-hmm. That's that truth. And, and we learn that from his word. And how amazing is that in this world of trouble, in this world where people feel hopelessness, that there is a hope. His name is Jesus. And we can put our trust. We can put our trust fully in him. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. I love, by the way, what you said. Sheep are not the brightest uh, in the fold, in the pack. And it's really interesting when you trust God, then he's working through you. When his Holy Spirit comes and works through you in your so-called imperfection, God does his work in a way that all the other gods, all the other spirits, everything else sees the perfect work of God. And when you experience that personally, when you experience that in your life personally, you can encourage others to come to the Good Shepherd because we're all imperfect. None of us have arrived. We all make mistakes. We all have weaknesses, but we know the Good Shepherd who is here to help. He has called us to himself. We need to pray today for South Africa. This is a great country, but it's struggling right now with different things happening. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would reach into South Africa and ignite your people, help them to know you. Help them, Lord, and touch them. We pray for the faith network that's there. It's a network that goes across all of Africa and Europe. It's in the United States, it's everywhere. Be with them and touch them today and help them, Lord. In Jesus' name, and we said together, amen.